so nice hearing all these voices singing and lifting up these songs uh, together. You guys look pretty good today. Everyone in their Easter in their Easter best. Any of you put something on that you haven't worn since like last Easter? You know, this is my Easter outfit. We try to look nice on Easter, and, and this morning just before a service, I saw um, my four daughters coming in with their new Easter stuff. Grandma always makes sure that they have, you know, their nice Easter dresses, and, and we try to, you know, look, look nice for Easter. And, and a couple years ago, um, I was realizing as we're heading into the week to Easter that my hair was just getting kind of a little bit long and shaggy, and I wanted to kind of get it cut, and so it's always helpful when you want to get a haircut when, you know, your wife cuts your hair. And so that was really helpful. And, and so I was telling Shannon, we've got to get my hair cut this week. It's Easter. It's Easter. And we've got several services. And I want to get cleaned up a little bit. And it didn't happen on Friday. And it didn't happen, you know, during the day on Saturday. And it's getting to be Saturday night. I'm like, got to get my hair cut. Now it's almost 10 o'clock at night. And, and just before um, getting my hair cut, not a wise thing to do. I think we kind of got into a little bit of a disagreement of some sort, you know, a, a little bit of a marital spat. Not very good when you hand the scissors to the person that you're, you're uh, engaging with there. And, uh, and so we, it's time to cut my hair. Finally, I sit down, and as she always does, she begins in the back. And so, so she started, and, and she got the clippers out, and she goes up, and then all of a sudden she goes, stops about halfway up my head. She stops, and she says, I am so sorry. Oh, no. And she starts crying. She's, I said, what? What happened? She said, I forgot to put the guard on on the back of the clippers, <laughs> and she just went all the way up by half, the, half my head, completely shaving this nice little patch of, uh, a, you know, track all the way up the back of my head, and there was no hiding it. It was just plain obvious. The sun doesn't shine there very often, and uh, it was the shortest haircut I had probably ever, trying to cover, cover it up as much as possible, but the next morning for Easter, there was no hiding it. You know, I, I was getting up in front of people, and you walk up on stage, and everybody sees this big, big track in the back, and, and you just couldn't, couldn't hide it. Now, when we come to church and we, we, we dress up and we come in, so many of us are, are hiding mistakes, though, or we're hiding things in our lives that we think are too painful, that we don't want anyone else to know. And so we can come to church and we can look nice. We can put some nice clothes on, put a smile on our face and do our hair. And, and it's Sunday and it's Easter and, and everything's okay. But I know that sitting behind these, these facades, that there's pain, that there's hurt, that there's confusion, there's things that, 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 that we're dealing with that are really difficult right now, and yet we're here today. And sometimes we wonder, can I bring that into church? Is that okay here? Isn't the church just full of perfect people? No, it's only full of per people who sometimes act like they're perfect. But we're in a place where if we can be honest, and, and when we are honest in this place, we begin to see that there's a lot of things going on in our lives, but we love to cover those things up. It's kind of like when you go to a, to a funeral, and there's a viewing, and they have the open, the open casket, and here's this person that's dead, and uh, they put him in a nice suit. The man maybe has never worn a suit in his life, but he's wearing a suit and trying to make him look really good. And, or maybe there's a, there's a woman, and she's in this nice dress, and they do all this makeup to try to make them look as lifelike as possible. Does it work? <laughs> when somebody says, oh, they look so natural. No, they don't. <laughs> you know, because when, what's the reality that's there? We've got these beautiful clothes, we've got this beautiful casket, we've got makeup and everything, but the reality that we're all trying to avoid is that there is a dead body underneath these grave clothes. That there's something that's dead and lifeless, something that, that, that just has no life in it. And yet we want to make it good, we want to cover that up. And that's the nature of what we do sometimes for us who are living. And, and when you came in, you, you each received one of these strips of cloth. Go ahead and take that, take that out right now. The strip of cloth is uh, representative of the grave clothes that would have been used to wrap Jesus' body. After he died on the cross and he hung there bleeding, 
They took him down after he died and they put him in a tomb. And then it says they wrapped him in strips and sheets of linen like we have over this cross here. And they would have wrapped the body up. And then it says another strip of cloth was put over his face and over his head. And really the reality there was we want to cover up what's dead and not just wrap it in strips of cloth, but they would bring ointments and oils and spices and they would want to then, then cover that up because the stench was strong and the body was decaying and that was the way of, of preserving it as best as possible and keeping the odor down. And so these white, pretty linens, what was behind it was really dead and dying. And this morning I want us to think about what is it in our lives that we're trying to cover up? What is it that we're trying to, to put something nice over the outside, but in reality is really killing us? There's no life found there. There's death there. I would like you each to take this and wrap it and tie it around your wrist, symbolic of, um, of the things in our lives that aren't as fully alive as we would like them to be. Areas where you need restoration, where you need hope, and yet somehow you put this on, and maybe it is just like a bandage that's just barely covering it up, but we don't want anyone to see, and we don't want to deal with this stuff, but, but really it's just covering up where there is no life. And so this morning, I want to talk about the importance of the resurrection when it comes to these things in our lives. Because it's so easy for us just to see the resurrection as something that is a historical event around the time of Jesus or something that is an event that, that may happen when we die. What's going to happen then? But does the resurrection have any bearing on our lives today? Some of us are here this morning, and the resurrection is as real and powerful and, and life-giving as anything. And that's why we celebrate on Easter. But I know that there are others here this morning who aren't so sure. Does the resurrection have anything to do with my daily life? Does it make any difference whatsoever? Is this just a church thing, a religious thing? Is this just so, you know, I, you know some kind of formula, something I got to do so I don't go to hell later? What is the power of the resurrection? And that's what I want to talk about today. Let's pray right now. And just a simple prayer, like all of us to pray, just to ask God to just open our hearts to him and what he has to say to us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Easter and the Sunday that we can celebrate. And right now, God, I just ask each of us to just have an open heart to hear what you have to say to us this morning, that you would come and bring your life and resurrection to the deepest parts of our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a story this morning of a man who lived and then died. And when he died, they put him in a tomb. And in that tomb, when he was laid into that tomb, they rolled the stone in front. But the man in the tomb isn't Jesus. Ha ha, gotcha. Well, who's he talking about? Let's look at the story. It's in John chapter 11, and I'll read some parts from it here with you, for you, and we'll have some up on the screen. And the background of the story is this. There are some brothers and sisters named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The two sisters and brother were very close, and they were actually very good friends of Jesus. Actually, Jesus spent a lot of time with them, uh, just at their house in a city uh, called Bethany, and, and he would just go there to relax and, and was just a really good friend of theirs. And so as we pick up the story, though, Jesus is away from Bethany. He's a few miles away in Jerusalem with his disciples when word comes to him. And here's the word that comes to him from Martha and Mary. Verse 3, it says, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, the one you love is very sick. As we continue in knowing the story, we find out that Lazarus isn't just very sick. He's about to die. 
I mean, he is so far down sickness that they're not sure he's going to make it. They're not sure that there's going to be a pulse left and what are they going to have to do? They're already thinking, funeral. Who's going to get the linens and the oils and the spices? Where are we going to put them? Something has to happen. And so what do they do in their time of need? They pray prayers like we do. (laughs) Help! Preventative prayers, immediate prayers. God, we need you to intervene. Except now they're not just praying. They know Jesus is there and they know what he's done. And so they send a message to him. A messenger or whoever comes, runs and tells Jesus this urgent, urgent message. Jesus, and then to make the message a little stronger, the one you love. <laughs> like, you know, got to add that in there. Remember, Jesus, I'm the one, you know, you love. Come and, and help. What does Jesus do? This is interesting. Here's Jesus' response. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days and did not go to them. Thanks, Jesus. Just perfect, isn't it? Lazarus is about to die. He's on his deathbed. Things are so serious. And Jesus feels no urgency whatsoever. He's not in a hurry. He doesn't go. But what I love what it says in that verse, it says, although he loved them, he did not go to them. And just a little reminder here, as we pray and as we ask God to intervene in our lives, to come through for us, when there is silence and we're wondering, God, where are you? It's not an indication of his lack of love for you. Or his lack of concern for you. But God may be doing something else. He may be working something else in your life. And we don't maybe understand it. We don't fully know. But in this instant, Jesus is silent. And he doesn't go to him. His disciples start going, Jesus, why aren't you going? And, and he says, that, and they're worried about his travels back to, back to Bethany. And, and so he just stays for a couple days. And finally he decides to go. All right, I'm, I'm going to go to see Lazarus now. And then this is what he says to his disciples. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And his disciples are like, oh, well, that's cool. If he's just fallen asleep, then it's like, you know, we'll just, we'll just go and wake him up. Phew. Glad the, thing, the situation wasn't any worse than it was. But then Jesus says this. He's like, he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come, let's go and see him. So Jesus waits for Lazarus to die before he goes to see him. Does it ever just feel like Jesus is too late? That God was too late in your life? That it's just too late now? That Jesus let something die? But Jesus says, look, I, what you see as, as death, I only see as sleep. What you see as permanent, I see as temporary. What you see as irreversible, I see as revivable. Where you see a comma, or where you see a period, Jesus sees a comma. That it's not the end. The story continues. But sometimes I wonder if we ask God, and sometimes we pray for these things in our life that we want God to revive, that he's saying, I'm not about just reviving you back to the kind of life that you have. Back to the things that you've experienced and done before. Something needs to die here. And that's maybe a hard message to hear, that something needs to die, because as Scripture tells us, unless a seed falls to the ground, dies, and then breaks open, new life can't spring forth. And so in this instance, it seems like Jesus is saying, I needed to let this die. Because then he says, this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Because then we're going to see the power of God at work. And so he begins to tell his disciples and foreshadow a little bit about what's going to happen. And so then they begin, and they make their way over to Bethany. And when he arrives, Jesus is walking into a funeral. I mean, they've already buried Lazarus. 
They've already put him into the tomb. They've rolled the stone aside. They've wrapped him in the linens, and, and it's done. And they would mourn for several days, and so there was mourning and weeping, and other people would come by. And as Jesus arrives, you know, Martha runs up, and she greets him. And when Jesus, in verse 17, it says, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Four days. And then Martha, when she greets him, she said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, you're too late. You're too late. There's no, there's no more hope. I mean, maybe you've been praying for somebody to, to discover faith. Or maybe you look at your own life and you're saying, it's too late for me. If you only knew the things that I have done in my life, the dark life that I've lived, there's things I'm ashamed of, there's stories I will never tell. I'm surprised this building doesn't fall in on me when I show up at church. If you only knew, it's too late for me, but maybe for my kids. You know, maybe for somebody else, this is great for somebody, but I, I'm just here this morning because it's Easter and somebody asked me to come. It's too late for me. Or maybe once you had that life of Christ in you and you felt that, 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 that freshness in your spirit of knowing you're fully alive, but over the years something snuffed that out and you've gotten distant and you've, you've distanced yourself from the church and, and the worship isn't the same and you're not connecting in community and you feel that there's a dying in your spirit and it just maybe feels like, you know, it's too late. I've tried that. I've done that. It's over. Maybe the cancer has come. Maybe the marriage is done. Maybe, maybe you can't get pregnant. Maybe you've lost the job. Things feel like it's too late. It's over. Jesus, you missed the boat on that one. And then comes this amazing statement of faith from Martha. In verse 22, she says, But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. In my Bible, I just circled those words, but even now. I mean, talk about the most amazing statement of faith and a, and a word of, of hope for us that even now, even in the situation that you're in right now, whatever it is that's keeping you bound, that you're trying to cover up, that you're ashamed of, where there's some darkness, some, some shadow in your life, or where you're questioning the future, even now, you can do something. And yet, Martha wasn't sure how that was going to happen because she's saying that with Lazarus in the tomb. I mean, think about that. Somehow, though, her faith knew, even though it doesn't make sense, but somehow, God, I know that even now, it is not too late for you to do something. Then Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. And then Martha responds, yes, when everyone else rises on resurrection day. See, she thinks in terms of like, you know, sometimes we say things when, when, when somebody dies and, the, and, and we do want to give hope and we say, I know he died or I know she died, but we have the hope because of the re resurrection that one day you'll see them again. And Martha's like, yeah, yeah, I understand about the resurrection in the future. I, I, I've learned about that and I know about that and we have that hope. Because see, she understood resurrection as an event, as something that's going to happen in the future, that someday we're going to be resurrected. But at some level, there's this idea like, well, that's great for then, but what about now? I mean, Lazarus is in the tomb. Thanks, Jesus, for saying that someday, you know, he'll rise again. Then Jesus told her, verse 25, some words that were about to change everything. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? But see, he wasn't, while he was talking about a future event, in someday 
you'll live again. He said something more powerful, though. He said, you know where the resurrection is? Standing right in front of you. I am the resurrection, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. If you wait for it in the future and you think it has no bearing on on you today, it's not so. The resurrection is right here, is right in front of you. And not just the resurrection to resurrect you back to your old crummy life and the things that are wrong, but a resurrection to a new life. The resurrection and the life. And then he asks us this pointed question that I think is being asked of each of us this morning. Do you believe this, Martha? I mean, ultimately, this is what it comes down to. Do you believe this? Are we just sitting here in a building in the year 2015 singing songs to a dead Jesus? Some would say yes, and others say an emphatic no. It comes down to our belief. What do we believe? I fully believe that Jesus is alive, that he wasn't there, the eyewitnesses that bore witness to that. The women that came to the tomb that morning, they fully expected the followers of Christ didn't didn't have any kind of grand scheme to steal his body. They were coming to embalm him, to, to wrap him up some more. They thought he was dead. The disciples were as surprised as anyone that he was alive because they had forgotten that he was resurrected. But that is a central question. Do you believe this? Because it has the power to change your life. Resurrection isn't just some event in the future. Resurrection is today, it is here, it is now, it is every single day in the person of Jesus who is alive. But in this moment now, Martha's still probably kind of going, yes, I, I believe this and I believe you are who you are, but Lazarus is still in the tomb. <laughs> what are we, we going to do about that? And so Jesus begins to make his way over to where the other people are and, and then Mary comes running out and here we go again. Mary says, Lord, if you'd only been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And then other people are looking around and they're saying, why couldn't Jesus keep him from dying? And it makes me wonder who we are in the story. If you find yourself in the story and you think about, maybe we're Mary and Martha. We've prayed for something. We've wanted God to intervene and we had put our hope in it, but somehow it's really challenging our faith. We're not sure that that, that he's going to come through. He's too late. It seems like it's too far gone, but yet we hold on to this hope. Even now, I know, God, you can do something. I don't know what, but I'm going to hold on hope. And maybe this morning you just need to know there's still some hope. That it's not done. That even now God can do something. But, but maybe we're those onlookers. Some of us that are maybe sitting, arms crossed and folded, and saying, I don't know about all this church stuff. I'm not sure about it. You know, if Jesus was Jesus, if God was God, why does he let this happen and the other thing? And, and we're just kind of watching the situation. We're observing. But yet we're curious because, man, if there's something to this, this could change everything. And those were there in that, in that midst. But I think one day, and at some point, every one of us, we need to realize that we are Lazarus. We're Lazarus. Actually, one day, we all will be Lazarus. We will all be dead. <laughs> I think the death rate is still 100%, if I'm not mistaken. We're dead men walking, but, but more than just physically dead, some of us are spiritually dead. And there's things in our lives, again, we need resurrecting, and, and yet we're bound up, and we're put in a grave, we're, we're in the tomb, maybe we're in a dark place that feels like a tomb, and it feels hopeless, and it feels done. And into this situation, now Jesus steps in. Remember, he said earlier to the disciples, I'm going to give you another opportunity to believe in me? And he was going to show that he is the resurrection and the life, not just about an event, but in this day and for every day. And he walks up. I think he just said to those around him, Roll the stone aside. Come again, Jesus? Roll the stone aside. You can't, you can't do that, Martha said. You know what, Lord? He stinketh. I think that's what it says in some translations. 
He's been in the grave for four days. You cannot open up that tomb. I don't want to see what's there. I don't want to know what I'm going to find there. You can't do that. That's like Jesus walking up to, to us after four days of a funeral where somebody was buried and saying, all right, pull him out. Bring up the casket. Open it up. I mean, that's the kind of reaction that people felt. What are you doing, Jesus? He is dead. He's wrapped in the grave clothes. The stone has been rolled in front. It is sealed. It is done. And then, as he looks over, the stone's been rolled away. Everyone's staring into that darkness, wondering what is there, what, what's happening. I'm sure everyone was silent. What's going down? And then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. Pretty bold statement. Speaking to a dead man, bound in the tomb. And as everyone looked and watched, all of a sudden what appeared probably like a mummy, <laughs> wrapped up in linens, head cloth wrapped, there was some movement. There was something going on as light was streaming into that tomb. Something's happening there. And all of a sudden somebody's struggling to come out. And of course it's Lazarus. And then Jesus says these words, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. He showed in that moment that resurrection isn't just something we wait for someday. We don't follow Jesus to get a get-out-of-hell ticket. We follow Jesus because he brings us life today. He brings us hope today. These very things that define us, he can resurrect. He doesn't want to resurrect us, as I said earlier, to our old life, but to a new life and new hope. What is it that's keeping you bound? What is it that you're trying to cover up where you feel like, I don't want anyone to speak into that? Jesus wants to go into the darkest places in your life. Like in that tomb and that light streams in to shed light on those things. And when we come out of the darkness and into the light, it's amazing the healing and the hope that comes. I've been a pastor for many years and I have story after story of people in different situations who have just found that it seemed hopeless but God has brought it back. Marriages restored relationships that were torn and severed, that, that God found new ways to mend. Time and again where, where healing has come, where hope has come, where there's a new life. And more than anything, the baptisms over the years of people who have said, it's not just some area in my life, but all of me is renewed. And God wants to bring that hope, and he wants to bring that healing to you this morning. That's the story of Easter. The resurrection makes a difference now. It makes a res resurrection difference today. He's the resurrection and the life. You see, it's found in a person. And we talk about a relationship with Jesus. Not just a relationship with a church or a religion or some rituals and some customs, but in a person, in Jesus. When the women arrived at the tomb that morning and the angels told them, he isn't here, all they found was some, some straps of cloth laying there. You see, Jesus isn't in that tomb. He's not some dead historical figure that we worship, but now he is here. And his spirit is here. And it is there to bring us new life and hope each and every single day. As we close, I want to pray for you. I want you to look at your wrist. And I want you to look at this cloth. And just ask yourself, what are the things in my life that right now that I'm either hiding or withholding or just ashamed of? What are the things that are just keeping me bound and tied up? Or maybe you just come to the realization to say, spiritually... I'm dead. I'm searching and I'm looking and I just can't seem to find what it is that I'm looking for. Jesus wants to bring hope and healing. He wants to say to you, unwrap him, unwrap her and let her go. Let's pray this morning and just ask God's spirit to bring new life to you.
with your head bowed, if you just as a symbol of prayer would raise your ribbon, raise this cloth as a way of saying, yes, I, I want that life from Christ. I want him to bring healing to this area of my life or to bring me to new life. Just, just hold, that, hold that up as a way of acknowledging that in a way before Jesus this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's just so powerful to know that you are alive, that your spirit is true and it is real and it is here. You brought new life in the most dramatic fashion to Lazarus. But God, it reminds us that you're still in the business of bringing what feels dead and hopeless back to life. And God, this morning we acknowledge as these strips of cloth represent that there are parts of our lives, God, that, that we really need you to speak into. Actually, God, we need you to speak into every part of our lives. Bring your hope, bring your healing, bring restoration. And God, if there are things that we need to let die so that you can bring them to a new life, God, we trust you that even now, God, you can do something. Father, if there are any here this morning that are searching for life and hope in their spirit and their soul. Father, give them the courage and the joy just to open their hearts to you, to begin that journey with you. We know you can flood their soul with life and with hope. You've done it time and time again throughout the ages, and you're still doing it today. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' name, amen.